Stardate 0826201. Welcome to the Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new and classic Star Trek and beyond. Beyond, 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 beyond. I am your even more reluctant than Mike Garcia, Captain Grant Davis. And uh, with me on the view screen, we have Mariah Gossett, Clyde Haynes. This week, we are streaming the pod live on YouTube and talking Space Kitty Sex Toys, <laughs> Secret Resurrections, Girls Trips, and Tom Paris Collectible Plates. That's right. It's our review of Episode 3 of Season 2 of Star like Trek to, Lower Decks. I like to think of that as just a little tomfoolery. <laughs> out. Out. Bye, Clyde. He's got to go. <laughs> <laughs> um this episode's called we'll always have tom paris maybe the best episode of lower ducks lower decks yet um we're gonna discuss that but uh clyde first before we do that can you tell everyone watching live how they can participate in the show tonight well if you are watching us live then all we want you to do is type capital p capital o capital d in the pod that's capital pod let us know about your comment your question and we might maybe perhaps perchance get around to reading your comment or your question live on the youtube yeah P pika scribbit says this is the first time participating in the discovery pod review hi everyone welcome pika scribbit uh, Mariah, before we dive into the review, can you tell everyone how they can find this podcast? Oh, it's so easy. You just go to StarTrekPod.co to find links to all of the different ways you can consume our content, whether you see the videos or the audio versions of the podcast. Also, though, right now, if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, you are entered in to win a copy of Star Trek Discovery Season 3 on Blu-ray. We all know we want that director's commentary. We what? want to see all those special effects up close and personal on the Blu-ray, not streaming blu-ray it's going to be beautiful it's going to be crystal clear uh this offer is only available to u.s residents only and it ends on august 31st that is monday so you have until monday to subscribe get your friends to subscribe so that you can win those blu-rays all you have to do is hit that subscribe button that's all subscribe. that's it that's well, it just, just subscribe subscribe hit it hit that button how else can people support us grant Oh, you know what they can do? <laughs> it's my turn. Uh, Patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. Go there and make a per episode pledge of $2 or more. You're welcome to give more. But if you give at least two bucks, you'll uh, join us over in our Slack channel. We can we all discuss stuff. There's um, watch alongs with the community. Uh, you can correct me on things that I say incorrectly about Star Trek. Um, which happens quite frequently, and I will apologize to you personally. So, it, you know, a lot of perks, a lot of perks over there at patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. Plus, you're just supporting a show that is passionate about talking about Star Trek. And uh, if you like what we do, you can help uh, help help us fund this thing because we're 100% funded by you. Yep, that's right. You guys. And, and we uh, we appreciate y'all. Um. I'm going to read this joke that Mike wrote for himself when he was going to be hosting. He's unfortunately here, not here today. It says, um, all right, as I wait for my DoorDash order from Quark's Bar on QA Lore 2. QA Lore 2. Lore 2. <laughs> you have no idea what that means, do you, Grant? Let's dive into episode 203 of Lower Decks with hey, some. Qu quick question. Hey, Grant, before you do that, pop quiz. Who's Quark? Um, is he a Ferengi? Is he like the ears? I, I gotta tell you, 
when we started this pod, there is no way he would have known that. So Never. Oh, I would have nope. because nope. I had a cracked magazine that uh, <laughs> as a kid that uh, talked about the characters. And that's like my only like frame of reference to them. Great. Great. You were saying <laughs> Captain Grant. Uh, oh, yeah. It's it's time for some hot breaks. Hot breaks. Mm. All right. Uh, yeah. Let's go ahead and uh, kick things off. Um, Clyde, what's your hot freak for today? Girls trip. Um, I like this episode quite a bit. Um, I, I like it when not only does it give us some great track, some great kind of fan service, but it challenges us in a way that um, speaks to us outside of the episode. And so this idea that you've got these two people who we're now in season two. So if you think about it in TV terms, they've spent an entire season as the one of the four or five primary characters, depending on how you look at it. So we look at them as the core ensemble of this, of this, this show. And what they, what they kind of illuminated to us uh, is did we even notice that they haven't spent very much time together? Did we even notice that they weren't um, that close? And did they even notice that they didn't know that much about each other? So to me, it's like when you're spending a lot of time, but you really don't go deep. And then the subtleties of here's why I don't go deep because I, because of this or because of this, I thought that was amazing kind of meta for all of us to, to ask ourselves questions, right? So I think, you know, my takeaway is at some point I need to sit down with Mariah, buy her a beer and ask some questions, right? Because I don't know if she's got a whole pass as an Orion mistress. I don't know that. These are things I don't know. And so, yeah. Mariah. Mysteries <laughs> to be found. Um yeah, I mean, I really love this episode. I enjoyed sort of, like you said, Clyde, the meta aspects of it, because I think that's where some of the, the golden comedy moments came in in this particular episode. It also just felt like an episode of TNG. Like they're, they have like a mission that they're going on, but it's such a lower decky mission, right? There's no huge stakes at all. I also laughed out loud at so many points throughout this episode. I thought the chemistry between Tendi and Mariner was great. And I'm really glad we got this like girls trip vibe. And I, I loved sort of the commentary on those surface level friendships, right? And like coworker friendships. And it's like, you forget that people have lives outside of this core time that you spend with them. Right. Um, so I thought it did a good job of sort of giving us those moments that feel like a TNG episode while being so lower decky at the same time. And I just love the whole Shaq's plot line. I thought it was really funny. There's so many great jokes and references. I mean, this was a big Voyager reference episode. So for me, this was just like chef's kiss. I really liked it so far. It's my favorite episode of the season. I'm right there with both of y'all. This was a lot of fun to watch. I started watching this one with my uh, two little girls, though, and then it get, goes into the the sex cat doll thing, and that's like, these are conversations <laughs> I don't want to have yet. So, hey, off to bed, guys. <laughs> then I came back and watched it. Um, but, yeah, very funny, um, very tight in the pacing. I like the mixing of uh, having having Tendi and Mariner go off on the mission, which allows us a, a lens uh, to 
little bit more uh, deeper character backstory. You know, these kind of revelations to us, the audience, about um, different elements of like, oh, there's Tendi's first name and, um, you know, uh, the other little history of, of Mariner stuff that we didn't really know. Um, it was it was paired nicely with with Boimler just kind of having his own delusional uh, um, adventure in the Jeffrey's tube and. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's there's references that I'm starting to like pick up on. Even I'm getting like when they're playing um, bumper pool against those those big oh, alien man. dudes that look yeah, like uh, Norsicans like predator. Yeah, um, I was like, I know what that's in reference to. So that that was cool for me as well. So I'm like, okay, I'm starting to understand this truck world a bit more. And there's also a lot of stuff I did not get. So I think <laughs> I think that's going to be. Um, fun for me to listen in while you guys kind of uh, walk me through and explain some of those other elements. Um, yeah, but oh, we have a few hot freaks from our listening audience. Karen says, I loved how meta it got by acknowledging things fans have griped about, like Tendi and Mariner not being paired on missions before. I also want a Mistress of the Winter Constellations uh, short trek. Uh, P.W. Gregory says, uh, they've always paired off together. Uh, them always been, being paired off together was a common criticism of season one. So this was very much hanging a lamp on it. Hey, hey, Grant, I like Kern's uh, little abbreviation there for hot freak. That HF. We should make that a thing. Oh yeah, like, I've, I've been hot freak. I've been trying to encourage it. Uh, I put a little yeah, HF at the end of this to get people to do that. I like so that. I can uh, identify those. But, you know, people can also type P.O.D. Uh, I, too, thought that uh, Chippy says, I, too, thought this was a more regular, quote unquote, episode. It was also very, very funny. Yeah, I appreciated the split off of the characters in this one. I thought it was a great way for Boimler to have to get, you know, almost earn his way back onto the ship. Right. It's like to have all of these things happen to him. He's like very determined that he knows this ship and it is his and we get his fun um, sort of trip off of the fumes in the Jeffrey's tube. And him talking to that plate made me laugh so many times. And then when he fell through and got his butt kicked by Tom Paris was just like, it, it's so, and it, it was just like, it was all the perfect. It was perfect. I don't know. I really liked this episode because well, it had I, so many different elements to it. I think one thing that we love about this, um, this show is, there are all these things that you love about track that you just kind of sort of take for granted. Um, but in the back of your mind, you're kind of thinking, yeah, that just, there's something a little quite off, but I'll just, I'll ignore it. This show pulls all that stuff to the forefront and then pokes at it. Like how many times in a Star Trek episode have we seen somebody go, ah, oh, the turbo lift's not working. Mm-hmm. I'll just go through the, the Jeffrey's tubes. And Boimler's in the Jeffrey's tubes for almost the entire episode because he's like, yeah, only 2,000 more steps. Like, th- that's what would actually happen if you got into a Jeffrey's tube. It wouldn't be, you know, step, 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 flash mm-hmm. to, hey, I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be. So it's stuff like that. It's the... It's the joke about um, kind of, oh, yeah, people come back all the time. We just don't talk about it. And the, all right, are they going to explain it? Absolutely not. <laughs> right. Like, it's that stuff that was just like, ah, thank you. You you see me. Like, you actually but see me. They kind of touched on 
he, he reveals a little bit of this, like the Black Mountain and like um, the three faces of your father that you have to or something. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you guys, are those references to something else in Trek or is that just them being like super weird about like what this afterlife thing could be in Trek? I didn't immediately recognize that particular Mm-mm. story. I have a list of all of the other ways they thought he could come back. And when Rutherford's having his like vision of all of these different ways that he could come back, which so there's a transporter buffer thing, which we just sort of saw with Boimler. All the time. Yeah, it happens all <laughs> the time. Um, and then a restored uh, Katra, which is from the search for Spock, um, also happens to um uh Zurich in the in the forge in enterprise um we have the mirror universe switcheroo so we've got Giorgio as a prime example that we would know Lorca. um Lorca, <laughs> uh ds9 jennifer and ds9 um the borg rebuilt him um <laughs> which happens all of the time because i mean neelix on voyager dies so many times and they somehow managed to bring that poor character back to life <laughs> Uh, there's future son from an alternate timeline, which is a DS nine reference. Uh, maybe he got Genesis device, which is from the wrath of Khan. Um, and then my favorite. the okay, Nexus that, time ribbon, same thing. That was my, I was like, <laughs> that's, that was my favorite when they said, it, I was like, yep, I was hoping you'd go there. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we have many ways that we, I mean, H- Harry Kim has come back to life before from Voyager a few times as well. I mean, it's, uh, it's one of those things like you said, Clyde, we sort of write off in a way because we're just like, we're here for these stories and these character Mm -hmm. developments and like how this is that possibility of like, what are we learning from this parable today? Right. But it's much easier to, to just blame things on Star Trek magic sometimes when, you know, science magic, it's like, there's always a way to sort of solve the problem with a little bit of clever writing. So, well, and I think that you have to think about it. This is a time period. So this is the, you're thinking like 90s, early 2000s, when you think about kind of the TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. Here's the thing about that time period. Main characters didn't die unless it was a big thing that typically mm-hmm. was premeditated. Like a based. finale. Or, yeah. It was a finale or something. Something went on off screen that precipitated them being written off the show. Right. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm being, you know, typecast as a Klingon Mm -hmm. or whatever it was. Right. And so that lines up with the fact that if you have a main character like a Harry Kim in particular, who you take through the story, takes him through this place where you want him to have this death like experience and people grieve around him, then you do that. But at the end, you got to bring him back because he's a main character today. When a character dies, they're dead. Like, (laughs) yeah, I think after uh, the the Walking Dead, we all learned that one real hard. Um, And I thought it was uh, Game of Thrones too. Like when Mm -hmm. Ned Stark died, you kind of like, oh, they're gonna bring him back. Yeah, spoilers. If you know, ten years ago, that show. Yeah, but you look over and go, no, they're gonna bring him back because he's like a main character, so that's gotta happen. And then you're waiting, you're like, a couple episodes later, you're like, wow, like. I didn't see that coming. That happens it's today. Like, didn't didn't happen then. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, comic books. You know, someone's mm-hmm. dead, yeah. but only for a little bit. They're gonna. How many out. times have Superman died? Yeah, yeah, yeah. just saying. So, I I mean I appreciate the joke and I love how they're just doing this rundown of all the ridiculous ways that someone can come back. But I mean, even 
even with the modern um, Star Trek Discovery, we have George O, who, who's come back from the dead, and Hugh Culper. <laughs> um, I don't know if they listed mm-hmm. uh, Spore Drive. <laughs> like re- re- <laughs> Top secret Spore Drive. Yeah. <laughs> but, that uh, would have been hilarious. Uh, that's one that they shouldn't know, I guess. No. <laughs> I mean, goes. it would be funny if someone's like, I read something about someone who's brought back to life by mushrooms once. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all like, especially us as a crew, we're all hypersensitive and waiting for a discovery Easter egg. Like I, I want one though. I know it'll just mess everything up. I still want one. <laughs> yeah. Um, them referencing Voy, as Chupi points out here. Um, is that what just regular fans of Voyager call it here? Boy. It's like the shorthand, like how we say LDS for lower decks. You know, it's like VOY is what it is in like chat rooms and stuff. And I mean, yeah. at one point, Boimler's walking around humming the Voyager theme song like he hummed the um, next gen theme song. In I've just never one. I've never heard anybody go. Yeah, Voy, the the Voy. Like, I've yeah. never heard anybody call it that. So it was kind of funny to me. Mike probably was um, that. I mean, I've definitely typed it out, but I've never like uh, said it out loud that way. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Um, Yeah, good. Oh, I was going to say one of my other favorite things, and I'm hoping it is a hint at what is to come, is that they call Tom Paris, the creator of Fairhaven and Captain Proton himself with their references to holodeck programs that uh, Tom Paris program. So I'm like, please, please, are we going to get a silly holodeck episode? Because Fairhaven is... um, supposed to be it's like all black and white pulpy like uh noir crime noir sort of thing and so i'm like ooh, hopefully this is a hint <laughs> of what is to come <laughs> uh i mean it's funny because the entire construct of of lower decks given that it's animated could always veer into the bizarre and surreal mm-hmm. anyway without the holodeck but mm-hmm. I think the, the holodeck construct on top like we saw how absurd it was with Badgie um, so they can go super trippy with it, I guess. Well, and I, I think it's so interesting. It's like these thread Easter eggs that they're giving us for this show. I need to know more about the packlets. Like what's happening? They, we keep getting these packlet mentions. Um, so that'll be interesting later on in the season, I think. Yeah, they're definitely setting them up, I think, is our big bad for for this particular season with these smaller sort of hints because their their ships are in the intro sequence now and like the security has been upgraded since the pack led. So it's like there's all these things that are sort of like in place of like, okay, well, how is this going to play out with them later in the season? Um, I do have a question here. Uh, Chupi says, I don't think Grant has ever seen a. Kazon episode. Kazon episode. What's a Kazon episode? What does it's that mean? A, that's a Voyager reference. Um, Is it not Deep Space Nine? Deep no. Space. I, no, Kazon was a. Oh, yeah. the, the the they tried to or they didn't try to they did enslave. Um, right. Oh man. Yes. Uh, um. Right. Oh, that oh, hair. I just remembered the hair. Yes, the hair. <laughs> They're a race of. They're, they're a race that Voyager uh, interacts early on in their journey. Oh, it's um, like an alien race? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. And they're different tribes from K- for different types of Kazon. Is that um, what Boimler was when he fell through the, um, the they skylight? They thought he, he looked, looked like, like a Kazon? They tend the to look hair. orange, yeah, and then the hair. Yep. Okay, because he had oil on him, so he was like supposed to be all... Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm getting it. Uh, Kern says... Uh, I. 
Pod, I also want a, a Lower Decks flashback scene on DS9 of Mariner turning Bashir down after he tried to pick her up. <laughs> oh, that would be incredible because that and, would definitely happen. And on yeah. brand, yeah, that would work. Mm-hmm. On brand for both characters, that's <laughs> absolutely for sure. I um, I also, I, I, I liked that we almost also got a small reference to, it felt Picardy in a way when we got to... Um, uh, um, Quazon, Quaylor, uh, when mm-hmm. we see the sign for Quark's Bar and it's like all this neon, it feels very like that episode. There's also like a sign for the Zebulon sisters. So I'm glad we're getting like back references to the original um, or to the first season as well. Um, right. Yeah. Is, we saw this. Um, is this the same planet, like gambling planet that we saw in Picard? Uh, it's they... not the same, but okay. I think of similar vibe. Right. You know, um, there was. The the cat doctor on the ship, cat medical officer. Tahana, yeah. Officer. Mm-hmm. yeah um, it, it, it's already very funny what they were setting up with her being like super restless, and uh, they they find a scratching post sex doll thing in the box. Um, I thought all of the jokes that they were kind of playing off there with um, uh, the anthropomorphized cat lady thing was great especially the payoff that all she wanted ultimately was the box (laughs) i as someone who has cats laughed so hard because it does not matter what toy you buy a cat it's going to play with the box more than anything else and it just i it like literally i was watching this with my new roommate and we he you know he's a big trekkie too and so we were laughing at all the references and then the box thing happened and i was laughing like a little too hard but i was like it's so true though cats just want to play with the box (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was that was a pretty solid joke oh did clyde lock up Uh, i'm here i'm here oh your video just froze that's okay though um there yeah she's uh Catalan, Catalan, I I can never remember how to pronounce it. Cation, that makes more sense. It's a, um, I believe it's, again, this is, it it is, Cation is an officer on Titan. They have a Cation officer on Titan. Oh, okay. Um, The the whole thing where Tendi is disgruntled that she's working her ass off and other people seem to get promoted over her is something that we had been discussing kind of in the past the last few episodes um, of, of our discussion um, about how how ambitious and how, how much of go-getters our core four are our four ensigns here are on the ship and yet we see other people kind of rising in the ranks above them and are are we seeing that they're going to be just rele- relegated to lower decks for the, the namesake of the show. Um, and, and I like that Rutherford just kind of explains where he's like, yeah, but that's just like happenstance. Like that other person happened to be there with uh, whatever shot of uh, mm-hmm. an EpiPen or whatever, <laughs> right, right when the, the cat lady needed it. So, yeah. And I thought that was like, you know, it's kind of a funny, again, another sort of funny meta way. I feel like when um, secondary characters, or tertiary characters in the show become very beloved throughout the series, it's like slowly they get more and more responsibilities because you want to see them more and more on screen, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think of how um, 
I mean, even seven of nine, right? Like seven of nine was brought on as this sort of rogue Borg character that Janeway brings on ship, but more and more she becomes like a, a more primary character throughout the whole series. Um, and it is sort of like, it, I, I'm sure in the the plot writing, it would feel fairly happenstance if you were a lower decks member, but it's like, how do we, <laughs> you know, justify it on the ship? So I thought that was very funny. Right. Um, the, the having, having Shaq's return when we already had that other character last episode, um, who's the new security officer, or was that the mm -hmm. first episode, the puppet, he turns into a puppet. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. are they now both like chief security officers or is, is it now just Shaq's is back and that other guy's gone after that one joke? <laughs> Episode. Well, I don't know if he's still a puppet. I guess we don't know how long the depuppeting um, process takes, but it's potentially that they're, you know, primary and secondary or that character is getting moved to a different ship. But that is definitely a question we still have towards the end of this episode. I, I mean, ultimately, we, we get a joke for why Shax has returned <laughs> to kind of deflect us from really prying too much and just saying except that he's back on the ship and the voice actor and the character all just are back i guess yeah i mean I, it's that is such a trope though that i think it is more than a joke because it's like he is a main bridge crew and so of course right. he would be coming back um oh, pika says that uh um the other dude was depuppeted at the end of episode two so hopefully he's not gone I mean, perhaps Shaq's emotional state doesn't make him uh, able to be chief security officer at the moment. And he's just back in a different capacity. Oh, Kayshawn was on the bridge. Um, maybe he's now ops like Worf. Kayshawn, yes. Uh, hey, look, I, I thought it was interesting. Um, I still find it funny that we were we were talking about the fact that they were killing off characters. And then that very character we were talking about came back. Um but I'll I kind of I'll ride with it because you know I do think it it brought in an interesting dynamic, and this is a fun show. Like I'm I think the thing that we love about LDS is that we're not trying to pick it apart and critique it. Like the like if this it would be very much weird if this was live action and they did this, mm -hmm. but somehow because it is animated, it seems like it fits. Like of course they bring Shaxx back. Right, of well, course. Me too. Yeah. Oh, this this would happen, right? Um. So I, I loved it. What did you guys think of um, Boimler being back on the ship? And um, I, it feels like this is the first time he's back, and he's he's separated from everyone else, and he's um not not only a little bit isolated from his crew, but he he's struggling with being isolated from the ship itself. <laughs> that isn't really uh, accepting and uh, yeah. recognizing him. I mean, I kind of liked it from a character development point of view. You know, it's like something different for him. He isn't just back in with his crew. He doesn't just slide right back into whatever's happening. It's like, you know, there's even all of these protocols sort of in his way as, as far as like reintegrating into the ship. Um, so I appreciate that we're sort of putting him through some some hoops to sort of regain trust of the ship and perhaps the people around him um, for just like ditching them, you know, essentially, which all of his friends felt very hurt by. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Mariah. I think the idea that that he would leave, be gone for an episode or two, and then just magically come back and pick up 
where he left off is very 80s 90s and it's saying hey we are aware that that has happened before right it's like you haven't seen barkley for like 16 episodes he shows up and everybody's like hey reg like it's like they're going no you come back a lot has changed in a short amount of time it's a starship and to your point, not only do we see him separated from the crew, but the fact that they had him isolated from the ship himself was amazing to me. Like, I was just like, that's a master stroke. Like, I don't know that we've ever really seen that before. Um, and of course, he'd have to like figure, like, he couldn't even get food. Right. I, I yeah, love the it. replicator thing was so. I um I wanted to jump over because I, I loved the girls trip, but there was also some like very layered jokes. I thought they managed to pull through that also are some interesting commentary was when um, they make Mariner green and she's like, they're calling her false green. And at one point she's like, but please don't take any pictures of me. And I was like, oh, this is a very interesting commentary on like comedy's use um, you know, of black and brown face mm-hmm. for the sake of comedy. And I thought it was, such a very nuanced but interesting uh, like way to do commentary on that within a comedy like an animated comedy right uh you know i i think that kind of went a little over my head i just did a i just did a watch through of um, the show community mm-hmm. and there's one of their most famous episodes is an episode where they they all play D D. But I was watching it on Netflix and I, I got to like season four or five and I was like, what happened to that D&D episode? I they went took and it out. It. Yeah, they took it out because apparently uh, Ken Jeong's, Jeong plays a, a black elf, I guess. Mm-hmm. In it, and I, I had no idea. Um, hmm. So I, I, I never saw that episode again. I was like, yeah. Um, but yeah, this idea that um, the, the green skin and, you know, her trying to pretend she's something she's not. In a show that is for comedic purposes, mm-hmm. does have that kind of uh, layered nuance to it. I'm gonna have to run, guys, um, as promised. But no, I did think that that was a very subtle um, moment um, that I I thought was was really interesting, and and I'd love to pull it apart at, at some point. And and I think if if I had an opportunity to sit down with the characters with, and ask them you know, or the writers in particular and say, hey, what were you really thinking and going for here? This is definitely a question I'd, I'd want to hear firsthand from them. Yeah. yeah. All right, everyone. Clyde, thanks, thanks for joining us. Thank you guys. Take care. See ya. Um, but yeah, I thought the the kind of back and forth between Tendi and Mariner on kind of a lot of issues. They talked about like heteronormative relationships because at one point she's like, oh, yeah, I go for bad boys and bad non-binary people and bad girls, like all of that. And I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, good for you, Mariner. And um, and then also, you know, Tendi sort of being like, I don't fit the stereotype, but here's my cousin who does fit a stereotype that's like within uh, canon. And I and I thought it was. Um, I was- yeah, someone like quoted a- it right up the top here. Uh, P.W. Greg, there's still a lot of stigma around Orions. A lot of humans think we're all thieves and pirates. Wait, my cousin works in a thieves den in a pirate yeah. outpost in this sector. I promise I'm not leaving you, but it just, like, the sun just went down and I have no lights on and I feel like I look like a ghost. <laughs> it is just a floating head. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to take solo screen here for, a, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. I have lights. <laughs> um, the other elements of 
um, jokes that they're making about Tendi and Orion's. I'm are Orion females just domineering over men in Orion society? Is that so, what's going on there? Yeah, there was um in Enterprise, and I think even in the original series, there is like this. It was thought that they're like Orion women were essentially like enslaved people to mm. like to the whim of men but it turned out that they were actually in charge of everything um and so it was this sort of misnomer of the characterization of orion women specifically um but it's like typically they're thieves pirates like all of them <laughs> and okay. so tendy is definitely different in that she joined starfleet and like you know we saw in um in orion in discovery last season who's like in charge of a multiple like rings of slave colony thing slave yeah. colonies yeah so it's like there's sort of this perception of of orion's and i appreciate that tendy essentially is showing us that like you can have misnomers and thoughts and ideas about what you think certain people might be like but the, there's never a monolith right so tendy is the the mold breaker right and, and seeing her do her i i guess essentially code switching for yeah. him as to talk to to her people versus uh talking to mariner and he's like please don't hold this against me i have to be a dick to this guy my cousin <laughs> it was great um we have a few questions from people that i i thought we could um yeah Let's use the springboard off of uh Chupi says what do you think of kind of the overall lesson of knowing in this episode, knowing your place for Boimler, knowing your coworker slash friend, Tendi and Mariner, knowing Shax's story, Rutherford. I mean, I thought it was a really great, like there's so many different layers to all of those things, right? Like you have to know your place, but you can also change your place. Right. And like, it's knowing, but knowing that change can happen, I think is for me, the core message this episode sort of gave us because while Tendi and Mariner thought they knew each other, realized they didn't know each other, but a, then sort of promised to be more truthful and change how they interact with each other in order to be better friends. Um, and I think Rutherford figured out that sometimes you don't want to know, right? right. Comes with a cost. <laughs> Yeah, it can uh, come with the cost. Ignorance yeah, it, is bliss, right? <laughs> it, it was it's it's definitely this heavy thing, and there's this very um, paternal relationship he seems to have with Shax, uh, where Shax kind of takes him under his wing, and he can ask that that dangerous and loaded question without kind of being reprimanded in the same way that other character that essentially that red shirt of lower decks mm -hmm. comes up and asks and he gets, he gets reassigned. Um, but I, I thought there was something a little bit endearing in, you know, he wants to, he wants to understand and know because he's an engineer and this is going to nag at him. And that's just a, a personality quirk of his, but well, um, I think he he told us that dangerous. <laughs> he told us the truth at the end. He kept saying all those other things, but I think what it was in the end was he needed to absolve himself of the guilt that he caused Shaq's death. And right. so I thought their exchange when he was like, "I was doing my job. This is in no way your fault," mm -hmm. right? So I thought that was like kind of a really nice touching moment about like, "Hey, like accidents happen, and like you shouldn't take the blame for all of those things." Yeah. So, uh, Chibi House follows up with uh, Tendi 
Tendi made, made an, an interesting thing. comment that she wasn't that type of Orion. Like she can't do the pheromone thing. Like there are types of Orions. I mean, I would assume so. You know, like we have obviously variations of of people and here on Earth. So I would I would think there'd be variations on other planets too. Some sort of like out, you know, like in modern Klingons, you know, we have different uh, different Klingons and stuff. So I yeah. would assume, yeah, that makes sense. Pika Scribbit says, I love that we have confirmation that Mariner is canonically queer and loves bad boys, girls, non-binary folks. I hope we get to see some of her dating shenanigans in the future. Same. I hope we get some really silly flashbacks because it seems like she's trying to maybe grow and distance herself from uh, from the, the, the bad peoples that she apparently likes to date. Uh, so perhaps we'll get some fun flashbacks. D did you get the impression that from... Um, from Tendi's outside perspective that she thought that there's a deeper, closer relationship between Mariner and Boimler. She's like, yeah, sometimes you guys are even sleeping in the same bed. It seems like, <laughs> like it, it, it seems like she was like saying, you know, from our, our view, it, it's maybe a little bit more than platonic. You guys are really close. Yeah. I mean, but I think uh, Mariner could have shot back with the same thing for her and Rutherford in a way. Cause they are right. also just like hanging out all the time. So, um, you know, I do think they're they're. Tr I think they are trying to set up a little will they, won't they with Mariner and Boimler, but I mm -hmm. don't know if we'll ever actually. I hope we at least don't get that payoff for a very long time. I kind of like that they're just really close friends. Yeah, I, I I think even that kind of outside observation by Tendi is it lends further credence to why it was so painful for Mariner that Boimler left. You know, yeah. even. Even if it's strictly a, a, a deep platonic friendship that she had, she really felt abandoned by him and betrayed. And so uh, having him back is nice. Yeah. Uh, P.W. Gregory says, um, or Tendi isn't that kind of Orion in that she's not the type of person who would use their pheromones for her advantage. Hmm. Interesting that's point. That, that's mm -hmm. also possible. For or sure. maybe pheromones are a little bit kind of like a a body odor thing like do you sweat a lot or are you a person that just doesn't really work up a sweat <laughs> uh pw gregory also says um it was nice of mariner to specify non-binary and alien as different categories to avoid the whole alien non-binary trope where non-binary people are mysterious creatures from another world I definitely appreciate them uh putting that in because now it is canon because as we know lower decks is canon so uh, <laughs> Kern says dating a binar would be interesting. What's a binar? Hmm. I don't remember <laughs> off the top of my head. Well, we'll come back to that one. Um, Jude Beacom says, Oh, yeah, okay. I, wait, yeah. wait, we're, they're we're like little tonight. purple people, <laughs> uh, little purple people, okay. Um, and then Jude Beacon says, uh, Mike is gonna lose his mind about Mariner having served on DS9 during the Dominion War. I know. Mike was texting us all day today about how amazing this episode was, and he was freaking out. So he's he, very bummed. He's, he's both not. very missed by us on this episode, and I think he missed that he wasn't able to attend. But yeah, um, yeah. Um, anything else? Oh, Chupi says uh, Mariner was definitely overreactive with. Uh, yeah, so that's no. why I'm like, there could be some feelings there, but I can't tell if it's just like she's feeling betrayed after the whole Titan thing or if there's romance involved. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, 
once again, I think we kind of run into this this stopping point where Lower Decks is a shorter 30-minute animated show. And I, I don't know if we can... We could technically push to an hour. But I don't think it necessarily merits it. It's it's a it's a good short episode, and I think we're kind of hitting a good stopping point for it. Yeah, I'm gonna be really interested to see like um, what's like uh, what our women at work friends have been saying about this particular episode too. So uh, I'll be taking a look on the interwebs. I was trying to avoid like uh, retweeting or going over spoilers today because I know if I like too many tweets with spoilers, it shows up on the timeline. So oh. I, <laughs> I will save it for later. Um, but yeah, I think that that is about it for tonight. But I really appreciate everyone tuning in and, mm-hmm. and joining us. And we'll definitely get uh, Mike's hot freaks on this particular episode, uh, hopefully next week. And we will be back next week, too. Yeah. Um, but just a quick reminder to everyone, make sure you subscribe, get your friends to subscribe so you can get those Blu-rays you have till Monday. So share that information. And you can, uh, of course, check us out and get all of our information about where we are available for both of the video and podcasts um, on StarTrekPod.co. And uh, you can follow us on social media at StarTrekPod. Thank you to Karen, who runs our Twitter, a.k.a. Chippy. And um, you can also uh, help support us once again at uh, Star Trek, uh, Patreon.com slash StarTrekPod. We will be back next week, next Thursday for episode four of lower decks. And we would love to have you join in once again. It's a lot of fun. And, um, I don't think we have an outro video clip, so we'll just say bye and live long and prosper guys. Bye.